0: Welcome to the Encounter Community Church Podcast, where we take God's Word and look at how we can utilize, practically apply it, and implement it into our lives. Welcome back to the Encounter Community Church Podcast. My name is Ken Ballard, Jr. I'm the pastor here at Encounter Community Church. And how are you doing this week? Hope that you are doing well. Just real quickly, housekeeping thing. Just want to let you know, if you are listening to this podcast through our website, I want to encourage you to go to either Spotify or iHeartRadio. You can go to Apple Podcasts or, or Google Podcasts. And what you can do is you can go there, and you'll find our podcast there. Just look for our logo. Look for Encounter Community Church. And then what you could do is subscribe. And then that way, when we post any new podcast, you'll be able to follow us as well and be able to listen to the new podcast for the week. Again, our goal in this podcast is just to hopefully give you something that will encourage you, maybe challenge you for a little bit, but most importantly is to help you reconnect and connect with a deeper intimacy in your relationship with God and practically look at what does it mean to live this life in a way that brings honor to him. I don't know if you had a chance to watch the vice presidential debates last week. I will say one thing, I was glad that it was much more civil (laughs) than the presidential debates. At least from there, we could walk away with, I guess, a better understanding of where the candidates stood at. Both made some decent points. Both also avoided certain questions. Like It was pretty clear, if they didn't want to answer the question, they avoided the question. I did learn some things. I don't know about you and where you stood at. Most people, they watched going in, knowing who they were going to vote for. And I don't really think any either candidate really swayed people either way or another way. But I would be interested to see how many people watched that are still in the middle, still trying to figure out what they're going to do. And I would love to know like which way did it sway them? Which way? It'd be very interesting to be able to find out. What about you? Were you someone that's in the middle? Have you not decided yet? And which way will it it sway you? That that would be very interesting to know. But I will also talk about the two Fs. The two Fs from the vice presidential debate that really stood out. Do you know what the two Fs are? Uh, The first one was fly, (laughs) right? I don't know what happened. But to have that poor fly land on Pence's head, I felt bad for him because, A, he didn't know that it was there. B, is there like an international signal like you have a fly on your head? Like I know there's an international symbol for your fly is open, right? I have sent that signal and I've also received that signal. But is there one for a fly on your head? I, I don't know. But the thing that was also astounding is that it stayed there for a full two minutes. And the thing that amazed me is the vice presidential debate was not even over before memes started coming out with Pence with the fly on his head. But there's also the other F, right? The faces of Kamala Harris. And people talked about that as well. And how could she make such faces? Well, well, I'll tell you, being a black man, growing up in a black family, having a black mom black grandma, black aunt, I will tell you, I have seen those faces. (laughs) There's particularly one face that she shot, Pence, and basically if you read it, you you, you could see like it's all over her face, like what the heck are you talking about, son? And I saw that look and I thought, oh my goodness, I have gotten that same look From my mom. (laughs) I have. And that's one of the things that I've noticed, you know, about my mom, about being a black woman, is sometimes, man, you cannot just have that poker face. Like, what's going in is going to come out. But those were the two Fs that stood out for people as a result of the vice presidential debates. But I hope that we were able to get something a little bit deeper than that. I do want to encourage you, though, October 19th is the last day to register to vote online and make sure that you vote. One of the fun things I could say is, I voted. That's right. I have voted. My wife and I, we went to the drop box for the ballots uh, on Monday or yesterday, and we dropped our, our ballots in. So we have voted. So what about you? Have you voted yet? If you have not, because I, I will say this, one of the things I'm really excited about this year is I w- just to be flat out honest with you, is probably one of the most educated votes that I've ever done this year. Because I'll tell you, usually what happens is when it gets to certain races that were, I, I would just, in the past, I would just skip over those votes. You know, when it, when it came to things like certain judges that were running, or certain assembly people, if I didn't know who they were, people running for the school board or people running for the city council, I would, I would just skip those votes. Are are people running for certain county positions? I wasn't interested, so I would just skip them. But this year, I didn't. I actually went through, and there's a really great website I want to encourage you. If if you live in California, go to votersedge.org. Votersedge.org, it'll be in the link in the description so you can be able to go there. But what was really cool about that is you go to that website, you put your zip code in, and then you click find my ballot. And then what it will do is it will take your ballot for your area, and it will show everyone who's running for every position that is on your ballot. And the cool thing is you can go through and you can look at their background, look at who their supporters are, you can look at their educational history, you can also look at their political beliefs and see where they stand at, and from there, you can be able to decide who you would want to vote for. For some of the candidates, I was shocked because some of the candidates hardly put any information at all. Some of the candidates didn't put what their agenda was, what they're trying to accomplish in office. So they didn't really give me anything to vote for. So I, I don't know what to do you know, with that part, but I, like I said, I would say that it was probably one of the most educated votes that I've ever done. And then also when it came to the propositions, there's a, a, another great website that I want to recommend to you. It's called calmatters.org. So if you put calmatters.org backslash election-2020-guide That will also be in my link as well. But if you go to that website, it was really great, is you can go through and you can look at the different propositions. It will give you a breakdown of the proposition, who's for it, who's against it. And then what's really cool is it would give you like a one minute video summary of each proposition as well. And from there, it would also tell you like, if you vote for this proposition, here's the potential outcome. If you vote against this proposition, here's the potential outcome. So it was really helpful in that way. Again, done very well. It was bipartisan. It didn't try to sway you either way. It just gave you the information and then you decided which way you wanted to vote. So a really, really great tool. So I wanna let you know that they're out there to be able to help you to be able to make the choice and be able to make an educated decision on your ballot choices. Ladies and gentlemen, Here's my challenge, vote. Get out there and vote. You know, we're in the middle of a series. Actually, we're finishing up a series. We actually did the last installment of that series this past Sunday, and this is the last installment of the series for this podcast. But we we did a series called Politics and Religion. And for those of you that are listening for the first time, let me share this with you real quickly. The goal of this series was not to convince you to choose a candidate. Tried to be very bipartisan in that way. The goal of this series was not to convince you to join one party or another. Again, try to be bipartial. <laughs> I just made up a word. But but I, I just tried to, for the series, to make it a point that whatever your political stance, that's where your political stance is. But I I wanted to encourage us to just look at it this way. There's this huge political gap in America and it is growing by leaps and bounds. So we need to make a commitment to do what we can to improve it, to make it better, to heal our nation. Or as Michael Jackson sang famously in his song, heal the world, make it a better place, for you and for me and the entire human race. And for those of you that know the song, you're already singing it in your head, and I apologize for getting it stuck there. (laughs) But let's make a commitment to do politics better. So now this past Sunday, we, we wrestled with this question. Do you want to control the world or do you want to change it? Do you want to control the world or do you want to change it? Now I will remind you that with this podcast, I'm not gonna rehash every point that I made on Sunday for the message. So I want to encourage you to go back and watch the live stream so that you could be able to just hear the points that were made and we looked at the three types of people or the three types of people that, that changed this world. Not necessarily the types, but the three elements, the three characteristics of people who changed this world. And looked at what can we do to make sure that we are stepping into being able to be those kinds of people as well. Now, I did make a difference between what I call moralianity and Christianity. See, basically here's what moralianity is, is moralianity will parade itself as Christianity. It will parade itself as that. But but really what moralianity is, is it's just a cultural Christianity. Because the one thing that moralianity is missing is Jesus. Like the heartbeat of Jesus can't be seen. The love of Jesus can't be seen. And with moralianity, the goal is control. With moralianity, I want people in it that will look like me, think like me, believe like me, live like me, and vote like me. That's the goal of moralianity. With Christianity, the goal is I want to diversify my life so that I may have the opportunity to influence as many as possible. As many as possible. With morality, the goal is to win. And so if you are on the other side of the coin of my beliefs, then I look at you differently. I look at you as an obstacle. I look at you as someone who stands in the way of allowing my political bent to happen, whatever that political bent may be. But on Christianity, if if I'm committed, if if I'm there, then even if you're on the other side, I'm still going to show you the love of Jesus anyway. I'm still going to serve you anyway. I'm still going to treat you kindly anyway. And again, although we may walk away with a disagreement, we will still... Walk away, brothers and sisters, arm in arm, hand in hand, doing this thing together. That's the goal of Christianity. Is to look at what I can. What can I do? So, with morality, the goal is control. With Christianity, the goal is influence. And let me tell you, the influence isn't for my party, isn't for my candidate. The ultimate influence of Christianity is drawing you to come to know Jesus. Now, people from morality will say the same thing. My goal is to draw you to know Jesus. However, when you look at their verbiage, when you look at their, their heartbeat, when you look at the message behind the point, the goal isn't to draw you to Jesus. The goal is to draw you again to their political viewpoint and to think the way that they think. again, with Christianity. The goal is whether you think the way I think or not, believe the way that I believe or not. I'm going to love you enough to try to influence you to come to know him. That's the goal. So again, we're not going to rehash all the points that we gave on Sunday for looking at do you want to control the world or do you want to change the world. But there are three new points that I actually want to make for the podcast in looking at this issue of do you want to control the world or do you want to change the world? And and here's the first thing that you'll see is people that want to control the world. The most important thing is their party affiliation is their party affiliation. And again, they want to try to get as many people in their party as possible because again, their goal is for their party to be able to win. And typically party affiliation also is connected with a candidate. So, for example, if your party affiliation as a Christian is, if your party affiliation is Republican, then you're going to try to pull people that way. If your party affiliation as a believer, and, and there are Christians, believe it or not, there are Christians who are Democrats. And, and so if your political bent is that way, then what you're going to try to do is pull people into your party. But the goal is party affiliation. But now here's the dangerous thing about that. When we say morality, when we say that the, the commitment is to your party, the problem with control is there is a tendency to align yourself with the party and yet ignore the weaknesses of that party. Because let me tell you, both parties have elements of Christ in them and both parties have elements that are distant from Christ, if not Christ-like at all in them. Both parties do. But what I have seen, and this is one of the things that you have to examine yourself with as well, what I have seen is Christians who align themselves with a certain party, and when they are challenged on that party's weakness, they will justify it or they will excuse it away. Because the most important thing is that party affiliation. And again, what will happen with party affiliation, because it's so important, is you will take on a view, and your view of other people may look something like this. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 10 and 11, it says, Later Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why? Does your teacher eat with such scum? Now, these were the religious leaders of that time. And they looked at people who had lives that were possibly broken, at people who had lives maybe where there was hurt, at people who had lives that were so Categorically different from God. And they looked at them. And the summation that they had of those people and the best words that they could use was scum. And, And I really do want to challenge you to ask yourself what is my viewpoint? of people who don't think like I think or believe like I believe? What is my viewpoint of people who are on the other side of the political spectrum? What's my viewpoint of them? But also, because we did cover that on Sunday, but here's the element on Sunday that I didn't cover that I wanna talk about today. Have you, as we've said before, Have you built your party affiliation around your faith? Or have you built your faith around your party affiliation? That's a question that you need to ask. Because if the goal is to control the world, then yes, I'm going to deny the weaknesses of my party. And it's really interesting because the religious people that I was just talking about—they were called the Pharisees. They were; those were the religious leaders of Jesus's time. And the one thing that they failed to do and refused to do was to look at themselves, to look at their faults, look at the faults of their affiliation. And you can—you can pretty much look at the Pharisees like they were a political party. You, you, you gotta look at them that way. But they refuse to see the weaknesses of their party because their goal was control. So I really want to challenge us to be able to reach a point where we're able to kind of step back and just be honest and just be honest. Because what we've done in America, I had a, I went over to a friend's house yesterday and we were talking about this, is what we've done in America is because we've made the other side of the political coin the enemy, then almost what we've done is we've deified our side of the argument. And in doing so, we've also made it a point to ignore the weaknesses. And so what'll happen is the people on the other side of the coin will point out those weaknesses, but what we'll do is we'll also point out their. but but neither side is willing to listen to them to hear what the weaknesses are. So here's what, here's what I want to challenge you to do, because I think that this really would be refreshing. It really would be refreshing. It's to be able to say, you know what? I am a part of the Republican Party. And I do support that because I believe in small business or small government, I should say. The government does take its hands off and, and allow us to be able to build our businesses, small Small interaction with government. I I believe in that. I believe in that. And so that's why I vote the way that I do. I, I believe in protection. That's why I feel like I need to vote the way that I do. But I will tell you this. I have a problem with my party with racism. Because if you do listen to the other side, if you listen to the Democratic side of the argument, one of the things that the Democrats will say is, look, if you look at Republicans there is this this element of racism that exists. And it seems as though, as time goes along, it's becoming more and more blatant, this appearance of racism in the Republican Party. So just imagine if you had Christians that were willing to say that. Like, look, look, I, I see that in my party, and I know that it's wrong. So I'm gonna work in my party to influence changing it. Now there may be those of you who have decided to align yourself with the Democratic Party, fantastic, absolutely great, because you believe in, here's one of the the tenets of the Republican Party, is you know it's gonna do what it can to take care of the poor, the disenfranchised, to be able to give them a voice and be able to give them help, hope, and a future. And so that's why you decided to align yourself with it. But what if you, as a believer, were to say, you know what, I'm aligned with the Democratic Party in that way, but you know what, I do have a problem with abortion. I do have a problem with that. Because we have been called to protect the life of the unborn. We have been called to protect the life of the innocent. So what I'm gonna do is I'm going to work in my party to try to influence change, to influence change, to influence support for women who are pregnant, to influence educational opportunities, to influence career opportunities, to influence the idea of giving them as much support and opportunity as possible so that they may begin to realize there's an alternative to them to just take the life of my unborn child. See, when we are able to step back and, and do that, you know what that shows? That shows Christianity. And that shows the desire. Like as a Republican, I wanna change the world. So I'm gonna change my party and I'm gonna start there. As a Democrat, I wanna change the world. So I want to change my party. So I'm going to start there. And you can begin to just just really go down the line and honestly assess your party from a biblical standpoint. And if there were parts where your party steps out of the line of the gospel and biblical mandate, acknowledge that. Acknowledge that. And for you to say, you know what, I know that, but here are the reasons why I'm staying with it but here's what I'm going to do to change it. Then I think what would happen is people on the other side would say, okay, I understand that. I get it. This is what I see in a Democratic Party. I'm going to work on that. I'm going to work to change. Oh, okay. And I think people would be okay with that. I think that that would actually begin to help to bridge this gap when we see this change happening as well. Here's the other thing that I think is really, uh, that you have to be aware of, if you want to change the world or if you want to control the world. And that's simply this. For those who want to control the world, your happiness becomes directly linked to the victory of your party. Let me say that again. Your happiness becomes directly linked to the victory of your party. And this is what will happen is it will cause us really to step back and what will happen as well is we will get to a point where we become hypercritical again of others who are on the other side of the coin there's this one point where jesus was speaking and the pharisees decided to send in the temple guards to arrest jesus and the car and the guards came back and they hadn't they hadn't arrested jesus and here's what it says When the temple guards returned from having arrested Jesus, the leading priests and Pharisees demanded, why didn't you bring him in? And they said, we've never heard anyone speak like this. The guards responded, we've never heard anyone speak like this. Have you been led astray too? The Pharisees mocked. Is there a single one of us rulers or Pharisees who believes in him? This foolish crowd follows him. they are ignorant of the law. God's curse is on them. Then Nicodemus, the leader who had met with Jesus earlier, spoke up. Is it legal to convict a man before he's even given a hearing, he asked. And they replied, are you from Galilee too? Search the scriptures and see for yourself. No prophet ever comes from Galilee. So again, here's what we see, is we see that they were so bent on their beliefs, the Pharisees were, that they weren't even willing to examine the possibility of where they could be wrong. They weren't even willing to do that. And when you do that, that will severely limit the happiness that you could have. And I will tell you, like, if you are trying to control what's going to happen to your happiness, is you better hope that your vote goes the way that you want it to on November 3rd. Because if it doesn't, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be miserable. And that brings in another danger as far as this is concerned, too, is... With control, it's very easy to put your hope in your political agenda as the solution for this world. It's very easy to do that. And we made it really clear over the course of this series that the solution to the ills of this world were not politics and government, it was Christ. He's a solution. And to be honest, the other solution that He gave is the church. He gave the church. So as a church, if we are so bent on control, we compromise our ability to be able to make a difference in this world. We compromise our ability to be able to change the world. Because that's what Jesus Christ has called us to do. Again, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go you therefore into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey the things I've commanded you and lo, I will be with you always till the very end of the age. That is the words of our Lord. Those are the words. You know what he's saying? Change the world. That's what you're here for. That's what I saved you for. Yes, you're going to be spending eternity in heaven with me but I want to maximize my impact in this world. And I want as many people to come to heaven as possible. And that's why you must make sure that your political agenda does not become more important than God's heavenly agenda. Which brings us to the final thing about control is your values become higher than God's values. Your values become higher than God's values. And it really does. It introduces a struggle that you can potentially have in your life. In Matthew chapter 15, there's this one point where Jesus is having a conversation with the Pharisees, and it says some of the Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They asked him, why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. And Jesus replied, and why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, honor your father and mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother, must be put to death but you say it is all right for people to say to their parents sorry I can't help you for I have vowed to give to God what I have what I would have given to you so literally what I'm saying is back in that time and it's kind of like today is people would set aside money to be able to take care of their parents And so literally in this passage, what is it saying is God prioritizes family. And literally what the Pharisees are doing is the Pharisees were encouraging people and they were doing it themselves. That if it meant failing to take care of my parents to quote unquote obey God, I'm going to do that. In this way, you say you don't need to honor. They don't need to honor their parents. And so you cancel The word of God for the sake of your own tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Simply put, their traditional agenda became more important than the agenda of Christ. And when it's about control, when it's about morality, we can begin to place our human agenda above God's agenda. That's why, again, it's important for you to be able to, as a believer, step back, look at your party, look at your political affiliation, look at your political beliefs, examine them and for areas where it compromises the faith, biblical standards, God's mandate, you must make the commitment to face it and deal with it, to acknowledge it, to acknowledge it. And again, I'm not saying change your political affiliation. What I am saying is this, is be honest about it. And if you can begin to look for ways that you can begin to change, bring about change, in your party. Now you may not be able to change your party as a whole, but what you can do is start to influence some of your friends that have the same political affiliation as you. And what you can do is show grace to your coworker who has a different political affiliation than you. So do you want to control the world? Do you want to change? And let me tell you, control, it's small ball living. It's small ball living. What is small ball? Here's the idea of small ball. And it actually talks about it in the movie Money Pit with Brad Pitt. Money moneyball not money pit, Moneyball. Money pit was a different movie than with Tom Hanks. <laughs> but Moneyball. But the idea is small ball became this brand of baseball where the goal wasn't to win by hitting home runs. The goal became, let's just move people around the bases. Let's do Let's, let's just get people on base and move them around the base. That where, that's where on base batting percentage became so important as, as a matrix. And so you weren't trying to hit the home run to win the, win the game. Let's just move people around the bases. Small ball. You'll also see it in some sports, for example, in basketball. You will see what what will happen is they will do what's called a small lineup. Well, they will bring in guys, and the reason why they bring in a small lineup is because they feel like it's faster, it pushes the game faster, and ultimately they're hoping that the speed of the game will minimize or eliminate the height difference or the height advantage the other team may have. That's what they're hoping. Now let me tell you this. Small ball may work in sports, but it does not work in life, and it does not work with Christianity. We were not intended to practice small ball living. And if the major focus of our lives right now is just on the November 3rd election, that's small ball living. It's small ball living. Because, again, what's going to happen after the election? And the challenge that we've been given by Scripture is to think eternally. Think eternally. Although eternal destiny and eternity for those who have decided to follow Jesus starts on earth right here, right now. But we have been called to look beyond the moment. I love what it says in Hebrews That what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We were also encouraged, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter, or the author and finisher of our faith. That's, I guess, big ball, (laughs) for lack of better terms. But but that's big living, is big vision, is big vision. That I'm not going to get caught up in that which is right in front of me. But I'm going to be able to look beyond that. When we have big vision living, that's when we change the world. Because I'm able to look beyond the person who stands in front of me and see their soul. I'm able to look beyond their argument and see their soul and see their eternal destiny and begin to do what I can to influence the eternal destiny, to move towards a commitment in this relationship with God. That's what big vision living does. So again, do you want to control the world or do you want to change it? Do you want to change it? And I'll tell you, here's what I want to do. I want to be walking around heaven and have someone run up to me and say, Ken, Ken, do you remember me? Do you remember me? I was at another booth right behind you while you were having a conversation about Jesus. And I have to tell you that that conversation changed my life. And I'm here now because of you. Ken, I stood on the foundation of another political belief, but you were so kind to me and gracious to me. Although our beliefs were so fundamentally different, I was able to see Jesus in you and in your kindness. And I am here now because of you. How beautiful would that be? How beautiful would that be? I mean, just hold on to that. Because that's what God does. Think about that. You were created to change this world. So don't allow small ball living to compromise that. Because eternity is in the balance. So let's be people that will change this world. Well, again, thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. And I really do hope that you've been encouraged by this. I will tell you that over this series, I've been challenged personally to really look at my own political standpoints and my own political beliefs and begin to look at, have I allowed those things to compromise my vision or my view of God or my vision or my view of other people in relation to God? This is really challenging, me, and I hope that this series has challenged you too. And I really want you to understand this. The reason why this is so important is because, again, there is a God who loves you passionately, who loves you passionately, who has declared your value, who has declared your significance, so much so that he gave his life for you. And he wants us to represent him to others. I mean, there's, there's no greater calling on this planet. There's no greater cause on this planet. There's no greater agenda on this planet than to be involved in people's lives and change their eternal destiny. There is nothing more profound and there's nothing more important than that. So let's do it, everyone. Let's do it. This Sunday, we're beginning a brand new series called The Grudge. And here's what we're doing, is, is we're looking at, I've seen some painful conversations and I've seen people really hurt over these last few weeks when it comes to politics and conversations. And I thought, you know what, it's very easy to develop a grudge because of it. Holding on to a grudge is like holding broken glass in your hand or holding a burning pot in your hand. It doesn't hurt the other person. It just cuts up your hands and burns your hands. You are the one who is burned by your grudge. And so for this series, we're going to look at just being able to overcome the grudges that we can have in our lives, to be able to move forward and be free. So I hope that you'll join us for this next podcast, or for this next series, starting with our live stream this Sunday. We're also having outdoor services, so if you want to join us, Sunday morning, ten thirty AM in our parking lot. Would love to have you join us for that. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast, being part of what I would call the podience. Get it? Podience. Podcast audience. Podience. Okay, I know. I apologize, <laughs> but it was a good try, though. But thank you so much. And remember, encounters about three things: love up, love out love in love up how can you draw closer to god in your relationship with him love out what is one thing that you can do to better love your fellow man and love in take care of yourself and look at was one of the ways that you can grow and love yourself better well again thank you so much take care god bless you and we'll talk to you once again next week thank you so much for joining us for the encounter community church podcast If you could do us a favor, whatever service it is that you're listening to this podcast on, please rate and review us. If there's anything that we can do better, please let us know. But by rating and review, it also makes our podcast easier for others to be able to find. If you would like to support us at Encounter Financially with what it is that we're doing to make a difference in our community, whether it's the mobile food bank, whether it's serving at North High School or making a difference, again, in our community, feel free to head over to our website, encountercommunity.church. Click the link that says online giving. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way when we post new live streams or new vlogs, you'll be updated. As well as please head over to Facebook and like our page. That way when we post new podcasts, again, new vlogs, new live streams, or have church events, you'll be updated and know what's going on here at Encounter. As we said before, thank you so much. We're so glad to have you with us. And we look forward to you being a part of the podcast next week.